seeking collaborations with influential people. At GZPR, we create passion-fueled collaborations that go beyond traditional representation, a performance agency that onboards new clients every month. Our focus is on POC collaborations. Contact us now at hellogzpr.com, a self-aware public relations agency exploring world perspectives with leading talents. Hello and welcome. My name is Tiffany Farag and welcome to Get to Know You, a podcast for those who want to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, where conversations can become stronger when we explore our thinking and behavior. Every Tuesday, a new question will be asked to a guest speaker. Genuine people here to have insightful conversations. If you're looking for a different thoughtful gift, check out the 11 proven ways to deepen all your relationships in 2023. Link in description. My guest speaker today is from Chicago. She is the founder of Ile de Nature, founder of Conscious Beauty Collective, co-founder and CEO at Masami, a marketer, entrepreneur and advisor, an advertising executive turned entrepreneur with a passion for leveraging creative thinking to build businesses and ultimately help brands survive and thrive. She has a strong experience in cultural and business transformation digital strategy, consumer insights, talent design, and marketing modernization. She describes herself as a learned extrovert, but an introvert at heart. The story of Masami began with the belief that you don't need to trade off clean beauty for hair care that performs. They found their answer from the rich seas of the northeastern Japan, where the three waters of the world embrace a nature in all her beauty and diversity flourishes. The majestic fields of green swaying wakami seaweed, nature has been fit to gift us one of her great nutrient-rich treasures, a small miraculous ocean botanical known as Mekabu, harvested for centuries by Japanese farmers for its healthy giving properties. This marine miracle inspired Masami. For more information, go to lovemasami.com. Welcoming back, Lynn Power, to get to know you. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you. Oh my gosh, what an intro. Thank what you, an thank intro. you. An incredible intro. So good to be back. So good to have you back. So Conscious Beauty Collective, I saw actually you went to one of the Hilton hotels recently and you looked at what products that they kind of leave there that some of us sneak back into our purses and take home with us. So a lot of, yeah, you saw like I had a look there that the packaging doesn't have ingredients. Um, You know, you don't, the brand doesn't exist anymore. You can't even find it. And that was kind of interesting. Like, why do you think that you were in Hilton, what, recently, right? That video was recent? Yeah, I was I was at a conference. I stayed at a Hilton, but a boutique hotel with Hilton. And I've been doing this the last couple months now that I've been out and about again. I've been checking out the products that hotels have. And I got to tell you, so far, I have yet to find one that's actually clean. Oh. They almost all have toxic stuff in them. And in the case of Hilton, I'm sorry, but like Crabtree and Evelyn used to be a known brand. But apparently it's defunct. If you go on their website, it'll say all the products are sold out because mm. they don't exist anymore. And like, what the heck? Like, come on, Hilton, you can do better. And it's the Hilton. What's going on? Right? Yeah. Like it just, it just, it's pretty lame actually. Yeah. So yeah, I've decided. So Conscious Beauty Collective is our group of like 30 something because it changes how the number 
indie beauty and wellness brands, we've come together to help each other grow. And so we do pop-up stores, we do co-marketing, we do all sorts of stuff. But that has become my kind of, I don't know if you want to call it like my banner for outing bad behavior and brands. I like it. That's it. As you should. I don't like to do that as Masami because we're a Japanese inspired brand and the Japanese wouldn't approve. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) But like, I like that. As Conscious Beauty Collective, I feel like it's our responsibility to change the industry. So that's kind of the point. And so, yeah, pointing out some of these things, I think is only fair. And if, if, Hilton doesn't want to be having me make videos like that. They got to they got to do something about that. Change it up. Absolutely. It's surprising for the Hilton Hotel. What is that? It's supposed to be up there with like the top 10 hotels, no? Like to ha- for them to have this and then a product that doesn't even exist anymore. Like do they have what, a warehouse that has, they bought them all out and they've got a warehouse somewhere and they just keep pulling them out? Like what's going on? That was my thought. I'm like, they either licensed the name because they were like, okay, it's a recognizable name. And they put some generic private label product in there. Or they just bought so much that they have inventory and they're just unloading it. Or they just don't care and they haven't really thought about it. Yeah, I and, think they don't care. They haven't thought about it. I think that maybe the on the marketing team, they're probably no, no females. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's it. Because come on, like, really? But maybe now they'll be aware of it. And maybe they'll do something. And maybe they'll actually get a good clean brand in there. That would be nice. As they should. Why do you think people should be be more conscious of like what they're putting on their skin, no matter where, even if it's free, <laughs> then you can get it from a hotel. I used to swipe all that stuff. And I don't anymore. Because I'm like, now it's now I know it's bad. Yeah. Before I, you know, before when I didn't really realize it, yeah, I would, I would swipe it. Um, And I think a lot of people do because it's, that's what it's there for. And I also feel like because I'm so sustainable, like my, my mindset is so sustainably minded that if I use half of it up in the shower, I feel guilty leaving and having them throw out the other half, even though it's, you know, we're talking about like a half an ounce of product, (laughs) not like a lot of product, but it's just like, I just feel like, oh, that's not eco-friendly to throw it out, I'll take it and that way use it up and recycle it. At least I know that the packaging is going to go in the right place. But um, but then I'm just perpetuating this cycle of using toxic products, right? So it's sort of like you can't really win. <laughs> no, exactly. I totally understand that. I do the same. It's like, oh, I used a little bit. Oh, if I leave it here, they're going to throw it out. They're not going to give it to the next person. So I might as well just take it home with me. Yeah, right. Yeah, and you're right. Like, I've been to other, like, I think many hotels, the little bottles that they do have, like, I've had a look as well to see, like, oh, is this shampoo? Because my hair, I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't bring shampoo with me or conditioner. Is this product going to be okay with for my hair? And I'll have a look at the back. I'm like, I can't see what's in it. I don't know what's in it. Uh, A surprising amount don't have, they don't include the ingredients. And sometimes they're bigger bottles that are in the shower, the kind that are like, those refillable ones that are, mm. you know, they make them so that you can't take them off. Yeah, like they spray, you press, you press a button. Yeah, which yeah. I do think is better because it is more sustainable. But you should still have the ingredients on there. Like, you know, I just think transparency is completely lacking. No, I get what you mean. And that's even, it's even worse. Like they're literally getting a, a bucket or whatever of shampoo or conditioner and pouring it in. And we don't know what's what's going in 
Like, and a lot of the things too, like recently, even with food and stuff, like not just like stuff that we're putting on our hair and our skin and so on, just with food. Like, do you know, like for women, like more and more women I speak to, it may, I don't know, it's just probably what we're ingesting, but it could be what we're putting on our bodies as well. But a lot of women have PCOS. Have you heard that lately? Like so much more women are having Mm -hmm. PCOS problems, like cysts in their ovaries. Like it's just like we need to be more conscious of what we're putting in our mouths, what we're putting on our bodies, what, you know, because it's. It's we don't know the the effects late. Yeah, we find out in a hundred, two hundred years time. But you know, I mean, a lot of well, phthalates are known to be endocrine disruptors, so that could have a direct link to what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the other thing is, you know, you know that I had breast cancer in the last year. Yeah. Um, and it is also shocking to me how many people I know who are like, oh yeah. I had something or my mother or my sister or my aunt or my best friend, or like everybody seems to know somebody who's got cancer. Yeah. So it makes me wonder, are the numbers going up? Somebody, I mean, I could look this up. I suppose I could Google it, but or like my oncologist, I asked her about it and she's like, well, it's just cause you're, cause people are living longer. And if you, you know, the way that sort of cancer works is if you live long enough, you'll get it because it's just, and I'm like, yeah, but really? I don't agree with that. No, I don't agree with that. My two cousins, two of my cousins, one was 18. She got a rare aggressive cancer in her leg. And my other cousin, he's he was 26 or 27 at the time, and he got a rare aggressive brain tumor. Like they're both in remission now. Exactly. So it's like it's not – and they're both on the same side of the family. So it's Mm -hmm. like, it's like no, there's something happening. There's something in our foods or, like, you know, the products that we're putting on our bodies. Yeah. Right? Like it could be – that's the thing. I mean, so my – one of my best friends had a very similar type of cancer that I had a year before me. And we live five miles from each other. So we literally were like, okay, what – like it's weird because she's also 49. I'm 55, but like neither of us are like cancer old, if you know no, what I mean. No. Like they say that if you get cancer when you're, I think it's like over 65 or 70, that they just chalk it up to age. Mm. But like neither of us fit the bill. So, and we both had what's I had a very rare aggressive kind of breast cancer, but it was also her two positive. She had her two positive. So we're both like, okay, it's not genetic. Neither of us tested for the genetic, you know, predisposition or the gene, the Burka gene or, or any cancer gene, frankly. Yeah. Um, so, and it's not hormonal in either of our cases, because you can be progesterone or estrogen positive and we weren't. So then it's like, what? So it's got to be something in our environment that triggered it, right? So we're literally sitting there going, is it our water? Is it, you know, the fact that both of us like to renovate houses and we're around like fumes and maybe asbestos and who knows what else? Do you know what I mean? When you're digging up wars and sanding things that are 50 years old, like who knows? So I don't know. I mean, but it could also be what we're eating. It could also be what we're beauty products we're using. I mean, there's another founder in the Conscious Beauty Collective. Her brand is called Simpure. She Mm -hmm. makes beautiful skincare products, but she got breast cancer when she was 28. Mm. She was convinced it was her deodorant. Oh, interesting. And so, yeah. And so she started, she launched her brand with a clean deodorant. And then from there went into skincare and other stuff. And 
I mean, maybe she's right. You know, I think they're finding out now that like aluminum in deodorant is actually quite bad for you. So I don't know, could be all of those, but yeah, you think there's gotta be one of the things that just kind of triggered it. Right. Cause like, why all of a sudden did I have this huge fast growing tumor? Exactly. If it's not genetic, it's definitely environmental. And yeah. like, yeah, absolutely. I actually like on the point of water, honestly, like I have this, like I like to drink good water. I have to say in Melbourne, Australia, we have very good water in our taps. It's very, very yeah. nice. I, I tell people that, but when I, I like to like, test the water in a way when I travel around, like when I travel different countries and um, I haven't been to the US yet, so I don't know if you guys have good water over there, but uh, within Europe and Australia, uh, um, and I feel like it does make, like there's some water that I have to keep drinking. It doesn't make me feel like I'm not, I'm like, I'm still, it's like I didn't drink anything. So and you then, don't feel hydrated. Yeah. yeah. It, it's got to be something to do with the mineral content. So this is the thing, the US pretty much has good water, although there are pockets of places where the water has been contaminated and that's become a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, New York City, ironically, has some of the best water in the country. Okay. Because people assume it doesn't because yeah. it's New York, you know, you just, um, you're just picturing dirty pipes yeah. going into lots of buildings, but actually the tap water in New York is like really good. Um, but you know, like I said, it's who knows. I mean, I'm I'm here in Palm Springs now. This home was built in night in the 1940s. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the pipe situation is here. That's true. You know, so you could be the water could be from, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and then there was the whole thing about like, okay, bottled water is supposed to be better, but then it's like, wait, is it better? Because then if you leave your bottled water in the sun and the heat like can create, like it can actually make the plastic mm. kind of leach out into the water, that's bad. That's phthalates. That's like, so, you know, it's hard to know what the right thing to do is, is my point. It's like, yeah, we don't know unless we all test it and then we all come together and put it recorded on an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, we're not yeah. going to know. <laughs> yeah. Right. A big global spreadsheet. Exactly. Exactly. We I all mean, need to put, <laughs> everyone needs a document, like a Google doc, a Google yeah. Excel spreadsheet accessible for everybody. Yes. That's an idea. <laughs> yeah. Why not? That way everyone can put in their information or what water they're drinking or where, like maybe they've got it, like everyone does a retrospective test or, you know, we could do a couple of tests and everyone can put their data in. Why not? That's actually, it is an idea. It's a good idea. Uh, there's got to be some like water organization that could just do that, right? Like take yeah. that on. Something like that. Yeah, the, dog, the dogs agree. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. Because, like, it is a good idea because otherwise we don't know. We don't have transparency. I mean, I do get reports on the town water from the Berkshires out east. They would send a report that says, like, okay, we tested it. Here's what's oh. in it. Maybe I could get it from Palm Springs, too. But the problem is that's the water that's in the big tubs at their, you know, it's not the water. By the time it travels exactly, through all the pipes exactly. and gets through your faucet. Yeah. It needs know, to be individual not- tested. No, yes. it can't be like from a, a big, th- it can't be from like a base. Mm-hmm. It has to be like individuals being their data. How has your, in the last year, so how has your like consciousness of like, what, what has changed for you other than the, obviously the medicines and things like that and your, you know, the effect of the, cancer itself but like with what how you live and eat and your wellness and 
what you put in your, you know, ingest and what you put on your body? Like how was, how's your thoughts about it changed in this last? I mean, I'm definitely way more aware. You know, I never used to take supplements before. Yeah. I just didn't think I really needed them. I never really had any issues. I mean, the only thing I really did was I had, I was taking Synthroid because I have Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease. So, um, and that was fine. And I just would take my pill every day, but I never took supplements. Now there's a bunch of stuff I take preventatively. I actually take metformin, which is a diabetes drug. And the reason I take it is because there have been some studies come out, have come out that show that it actually can kill cancer cells. And I think the reason it does it, it's because it, it eliminates sugar in your body and cancer feeds off sugar. So like, just logically you're like, Oh, that kind of makes sense. Cancer likes sugar. This helps you eliminate the sugar. Great. So I think for anyone who's had cancer or is at risk, it's, it's like from my research and again, you do your own research. Don't listen to me. I'm not a doctor, but like, I think that it actually doesn't really have any side effects that I can tell. And so I actually think I've had, I've heard doctors call it a longevity drug. It's actually so, used for many things. It's like, right? yeah. So even like, so with PCOS as well, they're saying take metformin for PCOS too. Really? Like it helps in, yeah, it's got many benefits alongside a, like a, a vitamin as well. So a lot of women who are, with PCOS, normally you have to go on the pill, but they're like, yeah. oh, met, like metformin has been helping a lot of women alongside multivitamins and things like that. I started taking a multivitamin in the last four or five months and I've noticed, I'm like, oh, you know, my hair's darker, like the color's coming out more, and my bones and my joints have stopped hurting me. Okay, so that's the other interesting thing is after chemo, I was having a lot of joint pain, and my oncologist said, start taking vitamin D and vitamin B12. So now I actually just take a multi because it has both of those plus, and it does help. Like, it really makes a difference, um, weirdly, because I was really, like, the chemo really um, does it does a number on your body. And yes, it kills the tumor, which is what it's supposed to do, but it also kills a lot of other stuff. It kills your fast growing cells, which are like, so I still have problems with my nose. Like my nose will bleed just mm-hmm. because it killed all that lining. Yeah. You know, it, it just, a lot of people get mouth sores. I had problems with my eyes watering and tearing up and just things like that. So now, yeah, I take a multi, which solves, helps with the joint pain. And then I also take two other things. I take Fucadoin. I don't know if I'm saying it right. It's Japanese seaweed supplement. That's actually part of my, my hair care product. It's in the, in the seaweed that we put in our shampoo. It has this nutrient in it called Fucoidin or Fucadoin. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but it, it also, there's a lot of studies in Japan that it can kill cancer cells. It helps cancer cells kill themselves. So I don't know how it actually works. Like I can kind of logic the metformin because it's like, oh, it removes sugar and cancer like sugar. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but it's it's got this cancer fighting property. And then the other one I take is Coriolis mushroom, which is um, turkey tail mushroom. And it's similar to the seaweed where it's been proven to kill cancer cells. So my attitude about both of those is I don't, I, again, I've looked at the research. I don't see any downside to taking them. They're both natural 
And if it helps me keep the cancer from coming back, then I'm going to take it because the type of cancer I had has a very high reoccurrence rate, like 80%. And so um, I still have my port, which they want to keep in for two years because they don't want to have to do the surgery to take it out. And then it's because sometimes your port doesn't always function the way it's supposed to, because it can scar and there can be, you know, so you, because I have a port that's functioning well, they're like, we don't want to touch it for Mm -hmm. two years. If you make it through the two years, then we'll take it out. So that's Mm -hmm. so, but in the meantime, I am taking, I am more aware. I'm trying to not drink as much because alcohol is really not good. But at the same time, a glass of wine for me is very satisfying and relaxing. And so I don't want to give up my wine just, you know, so I'm just trying to be more mindful and not have it every night. Like I was doing during COVID, I'm trying to be like, okay, two or three nights a week, I'll have, I'll have my glass of wine. Um, And so that's my compromise there. My husband would probably rather have me just cut it out completely. And I'm like, you know, I mean, this is where no, you I think, you know, yeah, I think I agree with you, you know, like doing that, well, you know, a couple of glasses or, you know, a glass of wine, I think is fine. Like, you know, I, I think you're doing so much already for your health and like, you're so aware of it all. And, you know, uh, I think that's, that's, uh, I don't think this glass of wine is going to do anything that I come on with everything else that you're doing. Like, it can't be like used as the reason. At least I feel like I'm offsetting it, right? Like I'm using those supplements to hopefully enable myself to have that glass of wine and not feel guilty. I'm also just trying to be way more like, I always was active. Sorry, my dogs are at it again, but um, I'm trying to just be more, um, um, more mindful of like getting out, getting exercise. I walk places. I don't, t- you know, it, you know, it's, and my husband's kind of adopted a similar strategy. I'm trying to get my daughter on board now and my son as well, which is a little harder, but like, we're going to walk to the grocery store. It's a mile away. It's not even that far. Like it's yeah. 20 minutes. Come on. We're going to walk. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. Um, so that was really good. I will say one thing mentally that the cancer was really helpful for, and I know it sounds weird to say that cancer is helpful for anything, but, um, you know, I really did sit down and rethink my priorities because I would have these like six, seven hour chemo sessions, Yeah, you know, because I was getting a lot of stuff and you're sitting there thinking about like, what do you want to spend more time doing? What do you want to spend less time doing? I would think about my business, but I would think about that. Like what, you know, what stuff do I want to spend more time doing less time doing, you know, and actually I would, I, 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 that's how the conscious beauty collective came about because I'm thinking, well, brand partnerships have been awesome. They've really helped my business, but it's hard for me to scale those. Cause I'm doing one at a time. What if I could do 30? Mm-hmm. How do I do that? You know? And then it was like, well, wait a minute. If I did a pop-up store and got all these brands together, we could help each other. Yep. So. Then it was like, um, you know, let me see if brands are interested. And they were. And then it was like, okay, that's cool. Let's try that. So, But that idea really came out of me kind of prioritizing the things that I wanted to focus on and the things that are working and allow me to not have to deal with the things that aren't 
Yeah, that's so great. Like, like that's incredible for you to have that mindset. Like, what you know, you've obviously got this resilient mindset that you you know that um, knowing a little bit about your background, like you clearly have had it, you know, from a younger age, and you've you've got it through this difficult moment as well. So, like, where do you? How do you gain resilience? Do you think it's genetic? Do you think you're born with it, or something that you've built? Yeah, it's a really good question, and I actually would love to read that book called Grit. By who's the author? I think and is it Angela Duckworth or something like that? Yeah, Angela Duckworth. I don't know if I got it right, but something like. But because I do think, I think it's a little of both, in my opinion. I think that some people are just naturally more um, oriented Mm -hmm. to persevering and just sort of like grinding it out, and other people have a harder time doing that. And there is sort of this um, fortitude, but I also think it's, it's, this is going to sound like a weird analogy, but have you read the love languages? Yes, I have the five love languages. Yeah. I'm a, um, acts of service. You're okay. Actions. Yes. It makes a lot of sense because I am a get shit done kind of person. I get a lot of pleasure with making things happen, getting things done. I don't like to wait. I don't procrastinate. My husband's the opposite. He is a quality time. Okay. Yeah. But I think resilience for people like me who are more access service is a little easier because we grind it out. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like we're used to just like, that is how we function. It's like we, we need are, to do something. So it's we like, we need to do something. So when you do something, things happen. Right. And you just feel at least mentally like you're not standing still. Exactly. And I think that's a big part of resilience is not standing still, like feeling like you're moving towards something, even if that something is not any better than where you were. At least it's the, you know, an object in motion stays in motion. It's that sort of philosophy of like you are at least doing, you know, and and that for me mentally is really helpful because you're like, you know what, you're trying. It may not work, you know, and with the cancer treatment, I have no control whether it's going to work or not. And I think, you know, I used to be annoyed when people would be like, oh my God, you got this. You're so strong because what I really believe is a cancer survivor. And I have friends who have died from breast cancer, by the way, and they were younger than me. Um, You know, I just think it's not about how mentally strong you are. I think it's about the type of cancer you had and luck. And if, Absolutely. If, if the chemo drugs that you're given are going to work and if they work, awesome, go forth. And if they don't, you're fucked. Kind yeah, of. that's totally true. I, I totally agree with that. It definitely is. It's like there's different levels of the cancer and how it affects your cells. And it is luck. The, the, chemo, the chemo works. It, it just mm-hmm. something clicks. It's an enzyme. It's, they're all reactions. So it, it works or it just right. doesn't. It's all kind of like chemicals in your body. Yeah. But I guess the point that I'm making about resilience on the cancer journey is that you don't really know. You just have to trust and go forth. And you you can't sit there and blame yourself like oh it, oh my god it's because i did this or i did that or if i was just a stronger person you know cuz that to me is not helpful thinking so you know like and like so i just felt like i needed a plan because again i like action so once 
the hardest part for me was knowing I had cancer, but yet not yet having a plan. And there's mm. a few weeks when they're doing tests and you're getting, you know, your MRI and your PET scan and you're this and you're that and your biopsy. And then they find something else. And then they say to me, you have two kinds of cancer. And oh, by the way, one's a really rare kind of cancer. You know, you have all that. But once you have a plan, then it's like, okay, we're going to execute the plan. And that's the way it is. And you just focus on that. And so I never felt like, why me? I never felt sad for myself. It was like, you know what? Shit happens to everybody. I've got a plan. I'm going to execute the plan. We'll see what happens. And I was lucky. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's amazing. Like just from so from the time of you knowing you had cancer until you the tests and all of that was confirmed, everything in a couple of weeks, were you like – did you still have that mindset from knowing from day one though? Or is it something like, okay, now I've got my plan. You, you, you started feeling like, okay, you know, what do I do? Like you started feeling resilient or like pushing through it after the two weeks. I definitely felt more like peace of mind. Once I had the plan, my doctors, I think all the, not all the doctors handle it the same way, but my doctors basically, other than my OBGYN who told me that my enlarged lymph node, which was the size of a golf ball was because of the COVID vaccine. She wanted me to wait and see what happened, which I would have literally died because I had had a clean mammogram and ultrasound three months prior, Mm. nothing. And by the time that I was diagnosed, my tumor was the size of almost a a baseball. Oh, wow. Anyway. And COVID did it? No, she, she, there is evidence that COVID can create lymph nodes to enlarge, but I had had the vaccine two months before and she was wrong. And luckily I went and saw another, I got another opinion four days later and they took one look and they said, it's not good. Yeah. Um, And my doctor from the get-go was like, this doesn't look good. So I pretty much knew from the very first appointment before they did the tests that it was cancer because she just said, yeah, it doesn't look. And then when they did the ultrasound, the radiologist said to me, uh, I'm sorry, but it looks really bad. Yeah. It's not a good situation. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I I kind of, I guess I was sort of prepared when they kept giving me more worse news because they had said to me in the very beginning, it's not good. So it wasn't a shock as opposed to somebody goes in, thinks it's perfectly fine. And then they get the, Oh my God, what? Like, so I do think the doctors prepped me well. Mm. And that's part of resilience too, I think is knowing kind of what's coming and being able to prep for it mentally. And I was able to kind of go, okay, I think I, I pretty sure it's cancer. And now it's just a question of what kind what the treatment's going to look like. And I want to get all that ironed out. So I know, and then, you know, and they said to me, we're going to throw as much as your body can take, like that won't kill you because of the kind of cancer you have. So I, you know, so I had to have, you know, the full, you know, four different kinds of chemo drugs, um, you know, radiation, surgery, infusions for a year, that kind of thing. But, um, but it, but it worked. And so, you know, I think for me, the other piece of it was just distracting myself, you know, because I had, I had people that would be like, why are you still working? Why aren't you home with your family? All right, keep working. That's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. You're an actions person. So you need to. 
That's exactly. So I'm like, I need to be doing something. And yeah. frankly, I need the distraction. Otherwise, I'm going to sit there and think about cancer all day. I don't yeah. want to do that. No, it's great yeah. that you had your project and that um, um, conscious beauty came about like during that time. That's 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 my husband that heals you. Yeah. His first. Okay, I gotta let. I have to put one dog outside so that separate them, <laughs> and now they're like they want to. So my husband's reaction when I told him I want to do that, he was like, "Are you crazy? You're going through chemo. This is not going to work." Go get your duck. Thank you, Enzo. Bring it in. Bring in the duck. Bring in the. Here he is. See. Oh. Bring in the <laughs> he's got duck. His, he's got duck. That's a little toy. That's cute. I know. All right. Good. That'll keep him busy. So anyway, so yeah. And I had to explain to my husband, no, you know, I know you think I'm crazy for launching this when I'm going through cancer treatment, but I need to have something to do that is fulfilling for my, for me. And that is. I understand is, you. I'm an yeah. actions person too. And during, before COVID, like a few weeks, luckily I, lo- I launched the podcast and that was the best thing I ever did. And I'm like, I oh, COVID was great for me. The lockdown was fine. Yeah. And well, that's the thing you are because you're always doing stuff. I feel like you're always like, Hey, I'm, I have a meeting with so-and-so. I'm doing... <laughs> yeah. I'm the like, same as you. My love language is actions as well. Yeah. And so I, I think that's part of it. It's like what drives you as a person, what fulfills you. And I think it's harder to be resilient if you are somebody who kind of I don't know, like needs validation from other people or I, as opposed to just like keeping moving, just get yeah. things done, you know? So, and that's the thing I've, I've realized too, is not, you know, it's some of it is hardwired, but some of it is learned, you know, you can sure. learn. You can, absolutely. You can learn to be resilient. You know, Lynn, I saw this book, this by, is by Travis uh, Bradbury. He wrote a book about Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And he actually said that people with a higher EQ have, are more resilient. So your resilient is due to your EQ as well. You have, you're more tolerant of stress and you're, you're better at building relationships, or in, you know, which helps your resilience. All of that helps your resilience. Yeah, yeah I think I think that makes sense, you know. Um, so I just, yeah, I but I think, I don't know. I, I do think it can be learned. I do think... I do think um, practicing. Do you think some people don't have it at all? Do you think some people have like absence of resilience? Is it possible? Oh, I absolutely do. I mean, there are people that I've worked. I remember my very first job in advertising. There was a woman who was an account person like me. She used to cry almost every day. Mm. And I just was like, this is not the job for you. Oh my God. If you literally are crying about random things every day you didn't like the way somebody looked at you or the client didn't thank you or like oh my god you can't do this and so I just think someone like that who's highly sensitive has got to find some other thing to do that you know that that was not and I don't think she was resilient at all. I think, you know, may, like, so I think, I think you can, I, I guess in her case, it's about figuring out other um, ways that she can find fulfillment and not have the same pressure. I think that some people, I mean, just jump back in. <laughs> <laughs> so much for my, okay. 
There we go. Um, I think I think um, I think if you are somebody who is not a naturally resilient person, you stress out about a lot of things. You take you know you're very sensitive. You're very sort of emotionally driven. Then you just have to put yourself in an environment that is not going to freak you out as much, so that you can be more resilient. Because it's hard to be resilient if you are just naturally like feel like everything's against you and yeah you need to know what environment you strive in so it's like if you're aware of these things i think you know what i think it is as well lynn like just like you know we met what two three years ago now um yeah and just like seeing how you like how you work what you do um how you've like just talking with you now about how you've managed this year and a lot of things i would say like i've been very much studying this topic of self-awareness you would probably be someone i would say is like a highly self-aware person and like just with self-awareness alone i think a lot of people aren't resilient because they're not they're not they're not self-aware and you know even with the studies of self-awareness you know like this lady her name's tasha Urich. she's a psychologist she studied self-awareness and she found that it's actually rare self-awareness isn't a quality that people have she's like less than 10 percent of people are self-aware I'm shocked by that because i just assume that most people kind of are pretty self-aware not um, so that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. My daughter's incredibly self-aware. She's really, really, uh, she's a really good communicator. She's really self-aware. I've become more self-aware. I think as I've sort of reflected on like my leadership style, what I want to do with my life, cancer certainly makes you do that too, mm. because you have to look inside and kind of realize like, how do you want to spend your days? And then when you go through something like we were talking earlier, you know, my brother died a few weeks ago, you know, you kind of, that also makes you reflect and go, okay, life is short, you know, like, what do you want to be doing? And is it the stuff that lifts you up or are you doing stuff that doesn't, are you doing stuff because you feel you have to do it? Are you doing it to meet other people's expectations Um, But I think having that sort of understanding of what drives you is the starting point because there's so many people I know that are in jobs that they hate. Yeah, absolutely. Just with those questions that you've just asked yourself there, you know, those questions that you just said, I know maybe for you right now, you think, oh, these questions are everyone will ask, but these questions are actually written down in research papers that people who are self-aware ask themselves. Really? So yeah, so that's why like I'm gonna I'm gonna send you the name of this book, but you're actually somebody that I would consider based on my research and what I've been doing and how many conversations and how much people that I've been um like, you know, dealing with and coaching and stuff. Uh I haven't it's very rare for me to come across someone who's self aware. Maybe maybe I've come across three, if I'm telling you honestly. That's really interesting. Well, the thing that I found when I was working in advertising is that people we're definitely not self-aware because, and this is more related to their jobs as opposed to them as humans. But a lot of times people would think like, oh, I'm a really good strategist and they were terrible, or I'm really good at project management. And it's like, you can barely do a calendar invite. Like, mm-hmm. and so uh, like a lot of what I would end up doing. Would you tell them? And I think leaders, you know, have to deal with this is I would try to make this person realize that with a job that they thought that they wanted to do, that they were striving for is maybe not what they were suited for. Mm -hmm. And their skills were actually over here in some other area. 
And sometimes people would look at that and they go, oh yes, oh my God, now it clicks. Mm -hmm. But other times they would resist. They'd be like, no, no, no. I'm really, I really am a good strategist. And that's where, and I'm like, no, you're really not. You don't, you know, so it's, it's, um, it's an interesting journey to help people kind of figure that out for themselves too, because, you know, you can, as a manager, you could just decide unilaterally, I'm going to just move this person over to this other job, but unless they really internalize it and understand it and understand why they're doing it, then it's like, it's not going to help them. No, it's not. But, you know, I think, you know, just with, you know, self-awareness, the, the thing is, is that there's like internal and external self-awareness. Yeah. So if they need to have their internal self-awareness, but they can't get their external self-awareness unless they hear perspective, unless they tell someone tells them like yourself or like a leader or a boss has, hey, actually, no, your skills are better suited here. So they need to hear it. You need to be aware of it. You need to be able to receive it um, for you to actually be considered self-aware completely. Yeah, that's true. Um so I think like that is part of leadership is taking the time to not just look at people's skill sets on a functional level, but kind of dig a little deeper to really understand what makes people tick and where, and sometimes it's obvious. You can really see, you know, when, when, when people um, really light up at work and you see it and you're like oh my god that person really rocked it and then oh, well, what was it that they were doing that oh my god it's this other thing and and then when you have those examples it's very easy to point them out and be like oh my god you did so good but it was over in this other area and they're like oh my god yeah i did and so yeah. um yeah so you help people gain self-awareness. That's great. Like that's something that's that's huge. That's like that's exactly what you do. I like, yeah, that's amazing. So we and it's like all of that resilience, all of what you do through being able to tolerate stress, all of that comes down to self-awareness. That's all all comes back to that. And if very little people, and it's a rarity, you know, it it, it explains why people aren't able to, you know, um, they're not emotionally mature, they're not uh their EQs like you know, let gone down. A lot of people now saying the EQ is de- deteriorating. People are coming less and less emotionally, like aware, like it, because of the thing is, you know, they're using social media as a way of people losing their their EQs going down. They're saying because of their their more, you know, different cultures. Like I know a lot of I've seen some studies say, like the US culture, for example. You know, a lot it's like said. I know in everywhere else, but it you know it's very much the culture of self so some people become like the youth it's more like with the young generation technology now people becoming more self-obsessed so like they're self-obsessed yeah they're all about themselves they're in their heads doesn't mean they're self-aware doesn't mean they understand themselves or know themselves or how they're thinking or you know and they're not yeah. they're losing resilience they're losing uh, connecting with people they're losing many different like skills and qualities because of like they're they're what they're seeing on social media because they're not able to filter their feeds and like cater it to like a healthy way. Cause I'm not saying social media is bad, but they're, they thinking relationships, people, humans behave and act certain ways. And then they're just staying stuck in their own heads. And they're just, it's a very self-obsessive kind of thing that's preventing self-awareness. I mean, that makes sense to me because also I think what happens, especially when you're a teenager, because I saw this happen with my kids, you start to doubt your own voice because you see this social media telling you something else. 
and you start to question. So, so you really do start to question things. And then, you know, I think um, sometimes it's hard to find your center because you you have a lot of views from the outside telling you how you're supposed to look, how you're supposed to think, how you're supposed to behave. And they may or may not align with your own views. And so you do have to kind of step back. And it's hard. Like a lot of people maybe just don't do that ever. No, they right? don't. They don't know how to step back. They don't know how to like process and understand you know, their thinking and behavior. The other thing too, you know, like people, a lot of people think, oh, the road to self-awareness is through introspection. Yes, it is. But through this study and like they they went through like 500 studies, they found that people are actually reflective incorrectly. They're not introspective correctly. So like when they're reflective, they're sitting there asking themselves why questions. So like, why me? Why this? Why that? And so why questions were shown for you to deteriorate, for you to spiral and like go into a negative, depressive kind of mental state. Instead, they're saying people who are self-aware ask each other what questions, what can I do here? How can I, what and how questions were the questions that made people not feel stuck, uh, made people feel like um, empowered and that they could... uh, and showed people with self-awareness. I mean, that makes sense to me because those questions are more action questions, right? Exactly. As opposed to the why, you're never going to get the answers. No. You'll just sit there and ruminate on it. And that's that's why I'm like, you know, people that are like, why me? Why did I get, I, and I know people like this. Yeah. Why did I get the answer? What did I do? It's like, it doesn't matter. And you, you'll never know the answer to that. No. Um, and you just got to move on and like, you know, and look, maybe, maybe I'm also in a way I was going to say fortunate is the wrong word, but I'm not religious. Right. Yeah, so yeah. like, I don't li- I don't <laughs> sit there. I don't sit there and think like there's a higher power that did this to me. Yeah. Cause I did something bad and I'm being punished mm-hmm. and other people do that. They have mm-hmm. this thought process where it's like, God hates me. And I'm like, what? like, it has nothing to do with that, but I think if you're ingrained to believe that, that's hard to reset your brain to not believe that, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Do you think too, though, like your resilience and your thing, so like I looked at it in, like it's not just genetic and it's just like, you know, like you said, it's maybe due to your, you're an actions person, but also like your support network. Like I would say your husband and your family, you get a great, you have a great support network with you, right? Do you think resilience, you, for you to be resilient, it's like you, it's like correlated with having a great support network as in like a stronger family or partner or so on? Or you think you can be resilient without it? I think you can be resilient without it, but having the support is icing on the cake. Yeah. Because I think if you have a great support system, but you're not a resilient person, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You will crumble anyway. Um, Now, having the support system and having people that, you know, show up for you is great. Mm -hmm. And even if like you're not somebody who necessarily needs it, it's still so nice and helpful. I found it really surprising when I had cancer, how many people, well, there were two surprises. One on the good side was people that I didn't really talk to for years came out of the woodwork mm-hmm. and reconnected. And I've reconnected with some friends that I haven't seen in a long time. I had one friend who's a really old friend from Chicago. She came out to Palm Springs a couple of weeks ago. I hadn't seen her in a while. That was awesome. Like really, really good. Um, and then on the flip side, there are people that I would have said to you before 
that they were great friends of mine and they just completely disappeared. They didn't show up. They didn't show up. And I've, I've also learned not to take that personally because I figured out maybe it is about resilience or self-awareness at the end of the day for them, but they can't deal with it. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. And so they just, just shut down and don't want to communicate. So what is your feel? Like, what is your take on that? Do you still consider these people like good friends or are you, are you, because I, uh, you know, you're speaking, I can kind of uh, resonate on this with you right now because both of my grandmas passed away last year and one of them was like basically my mother. She was like three months ago, she passed away. She was like my, she was my mom. That's where I got my unconditional love. And I did notice with death, like people that want to hang out all the time or people that want to talk all the time, usually, hey, Tiff, let's do this or like, hey, Tiff, I'm, I'll call you or whatever, whatever. Like they just disappeared. It's like, what, you want to hang out and have fun with me, but you can't be there for me. You can't send me a message or call. You know what I mean? I do. I know exactly what you mean. And, and I, and I realize though, that a lot of people, most people really don't know what to say. The other thing that I've realized going through the situation with my brother, because I literally saw him over three weeks go from a relatively healthy person to dead, Mm -hmm. um, is that the way that hospitals and people think about death and talk about it, it's like we brush it under the rug. You know what I mean? Like nobody really wants to have an open conversation about it. So it's really confusing and it's really hard. And to see him sort of mentally process, wait a minute, I'm not going home. What do you mean? I'm like, what? And then it was like, wait, I have to go into hospice. Wait, what does that mean? And it's like, wait, you're, so you're telling me. And then they're like, oh, so you want to make me sign a DNR, which means I'm done. Okay. And now you want to give me comfort care, which is morphine, which, and you know, So it's just that whole thing, but they never, they just talk about it like, I don't know, like it's taking a Tylenol, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like it's nothing. (laughs) It's like you're going for a walk in the park. Like it's, yeah. Well, well, my point more is that because our society doesn't really have these open dialogues around that, a lot of people don't know how to deal with it when when you're going through an adversity or a death or sickness or something. There are some people that are really good. Maybe they've dealt with it before. Maybe they just have an empathy towards it. Towards it. And then I had, like I said, I had friends that just completely like ghosted me. Some of them have come back around. Now that I'm healthy and I'm through the other side. It's what do you feel like- about that? What do you feel about them coming back around now? Uh, you know what? I was annoyed at first, but then I yeah. realized, you know what? I'm okay with it because everyone processes this shit differently. And I don't, you know, just because they had a hard time knowing how to respond or whatever, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Um, Because I do have like one good friend in particular who literally like disappeared. And then, and then now all of a sudden it's like, you know, I hear from her every month and it's like, we're back to like a normal cadence of communication. But I think it was also like, now that I'm healthy, it's like, oh, okay, now it's good. Now I can go, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I have, I've talked to other cancer survivors who have literally dissolved friendships over this Yeah, because they just felt like, are you kidding me? Like you couldn't be there during like the worst time. Yeah. I don't get, look for me, it's like, cause I'm somebody who is there for people. For me, it's like, you just have to sit there. 
you you just have to be present. You can even just sit there and hold my hand. You don't like you can sit there and just be there and we talk about other things. But just you can just be there or you can just call me and we can it's just showing that you just you're just there. So that's what I think people don't realize. Like they think that they have to say something magical or special. Yeah. But if they just reach out and say, How are you? You know what I mean? Like just checking in. Exactly. That's, that's all it is. is. That's all no, it is. you're not you're not sitting there talking about death or you're not talking about no, the, the magic answer. words. You yeah. don't have to have like this, oh. like, oh my God, like I'm so sorry. I you know. All you have to do is just say, Hey, how you doing? That's all. Exactly. Exactly. And, and to me, it's just an acknowledgement. I mean, I have another, I have a friend whose daughter had committed suicide a couple of years ago. And she said the same thing happened to her where people just like didn't talk to her because they didn't know what to say. And all she wanted was for somebody to just acknowledge, I'm so sorry you had to go through this. Yeah. That's it. Just like, holy crap, that must suck. I can't imagine. I'm so sorry. You know, like just something to acknowledge that like your feelings are validated and she told me it was really hard for a lot of people to do that. Like, yeah, that simple thing for like some of us. Well, I think for people, because like, like I just told you that study, most people are not self-aware. Yeah. That's what it all comes down to. They're not self-aware. So they can't even do this bare minimum for some of us. So it's like something simple, but it's because of there's no self-awareness. Like I've been like on this, like kind of, uh, I would say this last 12 months, I'm like, you know what? I want to find self-aware people. I want to be around more self-aware people. Like I'm like, I want to create, you know what? I was like, I want to create an event and you're only allowed to go to this event if you're self-aware. You have to be evaluated. If you're not self-aware, you're not allowed to attend the event because when you're around self-aware people, you automatically feel safe. You can connect. You can build stronger, better, healthier relationships. That's really interesting. I mean, I do think, yeah, I think those people are more the, the ones to pick up on nuances, to pick up on moods, to be, you know, doing, you know, checking in, doing that, that kind of stuff for, for sure. Um, but, but on the flip side, sometimes I feel people that are overly self-aware can be overly emotional because they're so tuned into every little thing, you know? No, but that's the opposite. That's those was like, if they are overly emotional, they're not self-aware. Oh, maybe that's true. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. That's, the, that's the thing. That's the thing. Um, Lynn, I love talking to you. I just like, I love where this conversation went. I love what, like just connecting with you. Yeah, I, I'm so grateful to meet a self-aware person. <laughs> <laughs> I never really realized I was, but now you are, I, I you are man. Trust me, okay. I'm going to send you this book. I'm going to send you the name of this Thank book you. and yeah, read it. You And yeah, you fit. It's, it's exactly that. How is the conversation? You know how, Lynn, I love to ask all my guest speakers, how is the conversation with me right now made you reflect or highlight anything to you? I love it because it's exactly what I think your intention is, which is to make us step back and think a little bit more, right? Like, like get to know ourselves a little bit more, ask different questions, um, reflect a little bit on our life. And that I think is exactly what you do, which I'm grateful for. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So where can people find Conscious Collective Beauty and, and Masami and all the above? So, okay, Masami is Love Masami Hair on all of our social channels, which is pretty much everywhere, or lovemasami.com, and it's L-O-V-E-M-A-S-A-M-I.com. 
And then Conscious Beauty Collective, you can follow us on Instagram at Conscious Beauty Collective Shop. We're going to be in Riverside, California from April 1st to the end of June, and then we're moving somewhere else. Oh, perfect. Okay, great listeners. You got to check that out. I'm going to put all that in the description so you'll be able to be notified when that's happening. Thank you. Thank you. Great to see you. Great to talk with you. Thank you for listening to Get to Know You. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate, review, and share the podcast on Facebook or Instagram. You can tag me at Get to Know You Podcast. In my mission to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, I want to hear from you listeners. The question again, how do you gain resilience? Leave an audio, video, or a message on the Facebook or Instagram page of your response to today's question, including your name and where you are from. We'll include some different responses in next week's Get to Know You Cafe to further deepen dialogue on this topic. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss, be sure to tag me to post with your question. Join us every Tuesday on Get to Know You.